0: Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. No Welcoming the Holy Spirit and asking Him to speak into our lives to suddenly something that's kind of unsettling, or even as one of our guys this morning said, unnerving. You know, that, that's intended to bother you, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, they did what they were supposed to because that's the world we live in. Um, as wonderful as it can be in here sometimes and what God is doing, we still have to go out there. And so how do we do that? And uh, we're going to be looking at in a new series we're starting. I'll be talking about that in just a moment. But many of you have been involved in, in seeking to be closer to God over these last couple of months. We've been doing a thing called Transformed and uh, we we ended that with Easter. But we don't want you to stop there because we the intention was to begin to help you uh, move in some directions. Many of you started reading uh, 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 something daily, spending some time daily with God every day. And, and we don't want you to say, okay, that's over, I can set that aside. No, we want you to keep that up because God has begun some work in you and we want you to keep pushing forward. Um, so we, we've uh, actually created a place out in our lobby area called Next Steps where you can go out there and there are devotionals and there are books and there are studies if you are in a group uh, and you like to continue in your group to, to, to do more of that so that God can continue to work because you and I, I mean, that racket is going to be out there and and we have to continually uh, guard ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us to, to, to face that in our, our living of our lives. And I know so many of you, it was a great experience and just a just to kind of get a feel for it. If you, uh, if you were in a small group doing our Transform study, just raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of you. And now keep your hand up. If you were in, uh, if you also read the journal, if you had a journal and you were reading, add your hands to that. And if you came to some of our services during that time, add your hands to that. And a lot, a lot of you have been involved. God's been doing a lot of stuff. We've heard so many wonderful stories and, and a lot of new beginnings and a lot of, of, of fresh starts. And that's really, really exciting. And so I hope that you'll, you'll stay the course. Uh, we also, it was mentioned today, we call it Servanthood Sunday, the second Sunday of each month, because we wanna continue to help you in that journey of growing. And part of doing that is how we serve. We like to talk sometimes here about worship one, serve one. Come one hour and worship, come the other hour and serve somewhere in our midst where God can use you. And, and he doesn't simply, it's not just so you can help the church. It's also how God can work through you and grow you. Both of those things are, are huge parts of that. So I hope that you'll consider that because we'll have out in the lobby, folks out there to talk with you about that. And in particular, our, our Gateway Kids area. Um, always, uh, we can we are happy to have more volunteers in that area. And also, we're going to begin signing up for what we call Summer Kids Club here, which is a huge kind of like Vacation Bible School this June. Uh, where we typically we have three to four hundred volunteers just for that those week that week, and so we we need lots of folks and, and sign ups to volunteer there are beginning as of today, so you can you can also do that finally, you heard. Um, Perhaps earlier, if you you were in here, we were talking about the beginning of our Spanish language service, and that's how we can continue to spread the gospel further. Because about a third of Houston and Harris County area, that's not a language that English is not the language they're most comfortable with, and so it's an opportunity for us to to continue to spread what God is doing and and reach new new individuals with that. And already we put together a great team, and they're doing a lot of wonderful things. and uh, I'm planning to be there this afternoon and I hope many of you will come and join us and more than that, tell folks you know who for whom that might be very, very helpful. We've had many of you write or tell me, man, I'm so glad because now I can bring my mother to something like this or I've got a friend and it would really be helpful to them. So be aware of that and, and above all, be praying, praying for them because again, we're trying to, our mission here is to lead everyday people to become fully devoted followers of Christ, to spread the The good news to help us in a world that is going nuts at times. The pace of life is just getting faster and faster. We're feeling more and more overwhelmed. Uh, You know, today, even our microwaves take too long. You know, Um, instant isn't fast enough. We want instantaneous. Uh, a A study reported that Americans consider a 40 hour work week as part time in most professional jobs, and as a sign of a stagnant career. The typical middle-income family put in an average of 11 more hours a week in 2006 than it did in 1979, and nearly 70% of mothers and fathers say they have too little time with their spouse. A USA Today article said, Today people are souped up, stressed out, and overscheduled. In this brave new world, boundaries between work and family are disappearing, Everyone is mobile and every moment of the day is scheduled with daycare, school, after school activities, and 10 to 12 hour workdays. This pressure cooker lifestyle is so rare historically that anthropologists are now studying it to see how it will affect us. And it is affecting us. We're, 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 many of us are feeling overwhelmed and it affects the quality of our life in and, a and, and, and number of significant ways. When I feel overwhelmed, for one thing we typically feel stress we feel more stress that that may seem kind of obvious but at the same time when we start feeling overwhelmed we also lose some of our joy the faster we move in life the less time we have to take in what god is doing what god wants to say to us how god can work in us and through us we kind of we kind of rush by we breeze by those things when i'm overwhelmed i'm also less productive we often think we need to go faster and faster to get more done. And to a certain extent, that's true. But at some point, we can end up going too far where we're not getting enough rest, where we're not resharpening our acts, so to speak, and, and, and helping ourselves get prepared for doing more. And in the process, we actually become less productive. And finally, and perhaps the most dangerous one, is when I get so busy and so overwhelmed, I may not be able to hear God Uh, David wrote in the 46th Psalm, be still and know that I am God. He doesn't say get busier to know that I am God. He says sometimes we have to be still. Sometimes God is trying to get a message through to us, but all the circuits are are busy. We can't hear him. But those of you who who went through Transform these last couple of months, Part of that was we were wanting and helping you, hundreds of you, to establish a habit of, of spending time each day with God. And for many of you, that was something new. For some, it was something you hadn't done in a long time. Uh, and, and the point, though, again, is not simply that, okay, now I've done it, I can set that aside. No, the point is, how do you build a relationship? You don't just work on it for a while and then step away and forget about it. We have to continue to work on it, we have to renew it, we have to keep doing that. And and we're hoping that many of you establish that time with God as something that wasn't a part of your daily life. And that's why our next steps is out there to give you some resources. It doesn't have to be complicated or, or expensive, but resources to help you continue in those steps. Sometimes it, it is only as we, are, that we get still and we slow down and we pause for a moment that we can, we can hear that still small voice of God that wants to just simply say, I love you. I care about you. You matter to me. I see what's going on in your life, and I know it hurts. And God wants to say those kinds of things to us, but, but sometimes it's so busy and we're rushing around and we're doing so many things that we, we, we don't hear him. And so we want to take some time in, in, in this series over the next four weeks of Overwhelmed to see how we can Kind of slow down and experience God's best. Looking today, starting today with four principles that, that spell out the word slow, that's an acronym for slowing down in life to help us perhaps feel less overwhelmed, to find more balance. And so let's just dive right in and, and begin with the S. The S in slow stands for stop the constant push for more. Stop the constant push for more. You know, you and I have to look inside ourselves and we've got to ask ourselves, what is it that's really driving us? What is it that's motivating me? Why do I do what I do? Because a lot of the frenetic stuff in our life, a lot of the busyness, a lot of the, those kinds of things are really symptoms, are symptoms of deeper things. And we've got to spend some time figuring out what those are. What are our motives? What are the values that are driving me that are creating those kind of symptoms. If we're serious about bringing balance and health to our lifestyle, we're going to have to deal honestly. What, what is it that's motivating me? What is it that I truly value? Not what I say, because a lot of times we say, I value this. I think that is so important. But then we don't live it. We don't do it. Is, is it really a value or is it just sound? It's a soundbite? I mean, that's the problem with our culture. So much of what we hear are soundbites rather than the real thing. And, and we've got to spend some time and figure out what is it that drives us to keep pushing for more, more achievement in our career, more money in our bank, more activities in our schedule, more experiences, more thrills, more pleasures. We need to ask, what is it that drives me? And, and what we're talking about here is, is an ambition. And there is nothing wrong with ambition. Let me just be real clear about that. Uh, uh, So much of what gets done is because of ambition. It's because of what God has done in us and and how he has wired us and enabled us to do certain things. But not all ambition is good. Because when it's out of control, when it strays beyond the boundaries, when the motivations are, are unhealthy, it can become really destructive. It can destroy lives. It can destroy marriages. It can destroy families. It can even destroy countries. Not everybody who is a high achiever ought to be admired. Think about that. Not everybody who is a high achiever ought to be admired because many of them are seeking to achieve for all kinds of unhealthy or wrong motives like guilt or resentment or, or fear or revenge or ego or pride. I mean, a big motivation behind many high achievers is insecurity. I want to prove myself. I want to show them. And so we think if we work harder, if we achieve more, if we we get more money, if we keep up with the Joneses, if we do what the society says is, is the measuring stick, that somehow people will like us more. We try to prove our worth. But all we're really proving is that there's no end. If I achieve something, there's always something more to achieve. If, if I buy something, there's always something more to buy. And, and if you don't get anything else I say this morning, I hope that you will get this. As long as you and I confuse our worth with our work, we're going to be stressed out and overwhelmed. As long as we confuse our worth, our value, With what we do. Because here's the thing your value, your worth, and your work aren't intended to to build on each other like we often do. You are valuable because God created you. You are valuable because God, from the beginning of time, wanted to create you and saw you and made you unique. There's no one else like you. He he didn't try to make you like anybody else. He said, I want you to be you. And I love you just for that. And and, and if you don't believe me, he says, look, I'm going to even, I sent my son to the cross for you. Every time we see the cross, it ought to be a, a vivid reminder that God loves me. In the middle of stuff going on in my life and I get behind or I feel like I'm, I'm struggling or I've got to catch up or, or I wonder if I'm going to add up or measure up or somebody's going to like me at work or at school or whatever the case may be. All those things flip through our minds. The cross reminds us that that's the significant notice of your love. You are loved, period. You don't have to prove it. You don't even have to seek it. You just have to believe it. And that's a challenge for us. That's, that's, that's not easy. I know that. But it is so important. When we confuse worth and work, we're going to always try to do more. We're going to always try to prove more. We're going to always be in a a hurry. We're going to be frantic. We're never going to be satisfied. And the starting point in slowing down our lives, quite honestly, is not to clear our schedules. That may seem like the easy thing to do, but it's really a band-aid approach because we've got to always go back and look at why. Because I can can clear some things out of my schedule and, and immediately fill it back up again. In fact, I can put more in. Lots of good things. And I've yet to, in fact, I may in fact do that in order not to deal with some of the root issues, the root causes, the root things that are going on in my soul. Because sometimes it's easier to be frantic and moving along than face the truth about who I am and what I'm honestly thinking. So here's a couple of things that you and I need to to think about. We need to continue to kind of affirm, to have balance in our lives first. I have to be content with who I am and what I have. Until we do that, we're going to always be driven for more. In Ecclesiastes 4.6, it says, it is, it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. I mean, we, we, we need to ask ourselves very frankly, will having more make me happier? Will doing more make me happier? Is that somehow the, you know, the thing out there? And if I, just, if I can have a better job or if I can work harder or somehow there's something always more it won't. I mean, that's the, the fallacy of our age is that somehow more is always the answer. I, I read this this week, and I, in fact, I wrote it down because I thought it was pretty profound. It says, if you're not happy with what you have today, you're not going to be happy with what you get tomorrow because today you're not happy with what you were striving for yesterday. Isn't that true? Where we, Many of us have come a ways and our, our, our experiences, our lives, our relationships. And, and, and we look at that and we think somehow, but there's got to be more rather than stopping today and saying, why can't I just experience the fullness of today and know that, yes, there may be more opportunities, there may be more things I can do that God can use me for, but it doesn't have to determine whether or not I'm happy or not. It doesn't have to determine whether or not I have peace within me. There are no perfect circumstances in this life. There's nothing where you can say, that's the answer apart from Jesus Christ. If the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, you can be sure it's had a lot of manure spread over it. You know? So it's better to have perhaps less with peace of mind than to be busy all the time. And second, I have to stop comparing myself to others. Every time I compare myself to somebody else, I'm going to discon- have discontent. Why? Because no matter w- what it is, there is some place where the person next to me is going to be better. And inevitably, where do I compare? I compare the things where they're best and I'm worst. Or I do the opposite, where I'm best and they're worse. No matter what it is, it's either me trying to b- pull myself over them, Or me getting crushed because no matter how hard I try, I'm always falling short right there. You know? We look around and think, look what they've got. Look what they're doing. Look what they've achieved. Yeah. But look at the whole story. Comparing ruins contentment. And yet, when we're content, we don't have to compare. I don't have to look at you and say, where am I coming up short or, or whatever. I can learn from you. I can do better. But I don't have to let it judge my soul. I don't have to let it pull me down into the morass. I don't have to let it mess up my mind. Proverbs 14.30 says, peace of mind makes the body healthy, but jealousy is like a cancer. You and I cannot be relaxed and, on one hand and be jealous or envious or comparing ourselves to someone else at the same time. We can't do it. They go against each other. We have to stop the constant push for more if we want to be, feel less overwhelmed. Second, the L means we have to learn to say no. And it's difficult for a lot of us to say no to others. Our lives get overloaded often because we say yes too many times to too many people. Proverbs twenty twenty five says, an impulsive vow is a trap. Later, you'll wish you could get out of it. I mean, how many of us have said, why did I say yes to that? What was I thinking? I had the best of intentions, but I, I, I knew it, it wasn't a good decision. But I said yes anyway. We need to carefully and prayerfully make our commitments. Now, isn't it true that it is always easier to get into something than to get out? It's easier to get into debt than to get out of debt. It's easier to, to, to get into a relationship than get out of one. It's easier to get into trouble than to get out of trouble. It is easier to gain weight. Well, anyway, it is easier to fill our schedule than to empty it. We each have to decide, just because I could do something doesn't necessarily mean I should do something. Just because I could doesn't mean I should. There are times when all of us need to say no. One of the reasons we have a hard time doing that, though, is we don't want to admit to ourselves or maybe to somebody else, that we have limits, that, that I'm not super worker, I'm not super parent, I'm not super student, or whatever the case may be. We think we can just keep on adding and adding and adding stuff to our lives that are already full and frantic to begin with. If we're gonna add something, then we need to take something away. Something needs to go. And, and, and here's the thing. The, the fact of the matter is most of our lives are not filled with bad things. Most of our lives, in fact, are filled with good things. And this is really important. But in order to experience the best life has to offer, in order to keep from getting overwhelmed, there are times when I'm going to have to say no to some good things in order to be able to say yes to the best things. If you fill your, thing, your life up with everything that comes along that's, that's good, but you haven't thought about it, and, and does it really move the ball down the field? Does it help in what I'm trying to do? Is it something that, that fits me or my family well? Then when that best thing does come along, when that thing comes along that you know I need to do this, or this is the best thing I could do for my family, or this is an incredible career move, but I don't have the time. I don't have the energy, I don't have the, the means or the resources, then I've just set myself up for, for more frustration, for, for more struggle. When we're faced with a choice or an activity, the question we have to ask ourselves, is this the best use of my time based on my values, my, my why I'm here, what God is calling me to do? Not with somebody else. Remember, don't compare what is it about me? What is it about my responsibility to my family, to my workplace? Those things. Next, in our acronym of Slow, the O means to obey the fourth commandment. God's word, the Bible, is filled with all these principles for life. Many of them are commands that God expects us to follow. Why? Because he created us. I mean, if you're in a company that creates a product, you know that you also have to create the owner's manual. You have to tell people how to use it, what to do with it. Well, God created you and me, and God's word is the owner's manual for you and me. God's commands are not there to make our lives miserable, not to take away the fun of things, not to you know, keep us always uh, woken up from being zapped. God puts principle in the Bible because he knows it's best for us. Now, again, that doesn't mean that's always what we want to do. But if I have a, a, a four year old, you know, and, and it's right after Easter and they got a lot of candy and they want to sit down and they want to eat the whole thing at one sitting, is that necessarily, even though that's what they want, is that necessarily the best thing to do? Probably not. And we've got to sometimes, we've got to, we, we, we know that intuitively with others. Why can't we intuitively understand that God knows that with us? And, just be, and because the four-year-old often can't even see it. It makes no sense. I got candy. I should eat it. And we're saying, God, I have this chance to do this. I ought to do it. And aren't we talking often about the same kind of thing? And God says, yes, sometimes a little of that's good but not too much, or this isn't the right time, or I've got something even better in store for you if you could just wait. We obey, and there's less stress, and we, we, get, we find God's blessings. It's, it's balanced, it's healthy, it's enjoyable. But if we ignore it, often we're the ones who in the end will suffer. Of all the commands in the Bible, the most famous are the Ten Commandments found in Exodus chapter twenty. And one of those, in fact, says, God says, and we're supposed to rest. God says in Exodus 20, you have six days in which to do your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to me. Rest is so important in your life and in mine that God put it in the big tin. He didn't leave it way off here tucked over. He said this is one of the most important things you and I need to be aware of. It's how much he recognizes the importance of rest. It's called he calls it the Sabbath. And Sabbath simply means a day of rest. And, and when should you take your Sabbath? Well, if you look in the New Testament, Colossians and elsewhere, it kind of says one day is as good as another. What matters is that you take one. Now, for me, for instance, today is not my rest day. I've been up since early, I'll be going most of the day, and, and it's not my day. If I consider this my day of rest, Then I'm only fooling myself. For most of you, though, Saturday or Sunday is going to be a day of rest. And God says, you need to take it. In fact, He commands you and me to take it. So, next time someone says, you know, tells you, oh, come on, you you can do it. No, this is God telling me I got to rest. And I'm going to sleep in or I'm going to, whatever needs to be done. a lot of times what we, we do on our Sabbath is we catch up on the work we didn't get done. And, and that's not the right thing because it violates really the spirit of the fourth commandment. We should take our day off and, and use it. And here, here's some things that we should use it for. One, to rest my body. Because you and I, we're not wired for 24-7. Um, we're wired, we're created, God said, He took a day off in the beginning. He expects us to as well. Physical rest. If you don't take time off, your body eventually is going to take it off for you. And you have no influence in that. God is saying, I can get more out of you, out of the long haul, than if you try to cram it all in. I'll create more productivity. But we we don't listen and we get shut down. Our best requires rest. During the French Revolution, they outlawed Sunday as a day of rest. They wanted people to work, but a few years later, they had to reinstate it because the health of the nation went downhill. We need to rest our bodies on a Sabbath, on our weekly day off. We also need to use the Sabbath to recharge our emotions. You don't keep charging that, that cell phone. You're not gonna, it's not going to last long. I mean, how many of you have a cell phone that can go for seven days or 10 days or 24 days? I doubt most of you are struggling to get through one day, right? And... The same thing is true with us. We weren't created. We're not Energizer bunnies, okay? We don't just keep going and going and going. We've got to do things that recharge us. Maybe it's be with people we love, with relationships that are encouraging, that, that recharges. Recreation can be very rejuvenating. It's, it's a good thing to do on, on our Sabbath, on a day off. However, I would suggest not something competitive, not a competitive sport, because then I'm back in that same old mold. I've got to do the best I can rather than relax and enjoy. Some of you say, well, I feel guilty when I relax. I understand. I, I battle the same thing. But Jesus, you look through, you look through the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and what you see is time and time again, Jesus took time apart to go and rest and pray. You know, if, it, if they had said it once, maybe that would be one thing, but it's, it's there several times. And it's not like he's making a big deal out of it, but he's demonstrating for us that even I, the Son of God, need to do this. How much more? Do we if we're going to do the best we can. The other thing I need to do on the Sabbath is refocus my spirit. And another way we talk about that is worship. Reconnect with God. Spend time with him. One of the benefits of of what we're doing now is we're, we're getting a bigger look at this world because it's not all about me. There is a God, in fact, at work in this world, and he has a plan, and his plan is bigger than me. And if I can sometimes just stop and look and see him and focus on him, then all the other things often become so much less significant. They don't seem like as big a deal. But if, I, if I'm constantly looking, you know, it's kind of like staring at your belly button, right? You look at it long enough, and it seems huge, But if you just kind of forget about it, you don't even think on it. It's not a big deal. But so often we focus on little things and we get so caught up in them. We need worship to see the big picture. Take our eyes off of all the minutia of our lives and to look at God and what He wants to tell us. We need private time with God also, not just corporately. Um, We were created to be in relationship with him. And the more time we spend with him alone, reading the Bible, letting God talk to us, talking to him, uh, the healthier it is, first physically. If you want to really get serious about slowing down the pace of your life, you and I need to be serious about scheduling time off, a weekly Sabbath. Because God loves giving it to you. Psalm 127, it's useless to rise up early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know God enjoys giving rest to those he loves? He loves giving you rest. That's not something maybe we think about sometimes. We think it's all about what can I produce? And, and this hurried lifestyle so often affects our kids. Um... When, when parents struggle and stress, our kids do too. And this became really clear a while back in a, um, a, a question that, that the magazine Fast Company posed to children. They asked the, the children, if you were granted a wish to change one thing about your mom or your dad and their work, what would that wish be? And interestingly, parents then were asked to predict what their children said, responding to that same question, and 98% of parents got it wrong. 98%. The kid's number one answer of what they want most for their parents is to be less stressed, less tired because of their work, so that they have more time. Uh, I wish mom wasn't tired all the time. I wish dad could do more with me. Um, and, And I don't say this to be a guilt trip, especially if you're a single parent, man. You have probably the toughest responsibility in the world. And you could listen to that and you could think, I'm just trying to survive. And you're telling me, no, no. And, and in fact, what I'm hoping you hear is God loves you and cares you. And sometimes there are periods of life where we do have to go and we we have to keep going. But that's not what God intends for the long haul. And and there are people around you, there are people, who, we as the church, well, sometimes, guys, we need to look around at some of the single parents around us, and we need to, we need to say, how can I help you? How can I come alongside you? What can I do? Can I, can I hold the kids for a little bit? Can I let you go out and just have a, a meal by yourself? You know, this, this isn't meant to be a guilt trip, but it is to recognize that we, all of us, can get things going so fast that we don't realize what it's doing. And God wants us, He wants us to find that time to obey this idea of rest. Finally, um, the W of slow is wait for God's timing the reason we get in a hurry is we're impatient and impatience is essentially a lack of trust in God that, that God doesn't really know what is best for me. And so I have to jump in. I have to take control. I have to get ahead of him on this because he's, he's, he's not getting it. And we get in a hurry. We strive, we struggle, we, we sweat for things that, that God perhaps already intended to give us at the right time in the right setting when we're ready. And, and yet we're trying to push ahead of him and, and You know, say, you don't understand, God. I need it now. And God's saying, I already know how it's going to come out. And maybe you don't need it now. And that's, I have something better for you. We need to ask ourselves, is faster always better? Because we're not going to mature Unless we, At times we slow down and we wait on God's timing. And the Bible's very clear that God has a plan, a unique plan for each one of us, for your life, for my life, and it's not like anybody else's. And so that's why the problem is always of trying to keep up with the Joneses and do what everybody else is doing is that we're working their plan maybe instead of the plan God has for us. Ecclesiastes 3.11, God does everything just right and on time, but people can never completely understand what he is doing. you know, And and I think sometimes God doesn't tell you and me the whole plan. He doesn't give it all out to us in advance because he wants me to trust him moment by moment. God's goal is not to get you from here to there. God's goal is to grow you wherever you are right now, to help you become more and more like Christ, to become the person he created you to be, to experience the best that he has to give you day in, day out. And when you and I always are putting it off into the future and, and rushing into it, we're not trusting Him. We're taking it into our own hands. In the meantime, He says, trust me, hold on. And, and the, the prophet Habakkuk uh, Two, three. God said, This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. If, if you and I are going to slow the pace of our lives, we've got to learn to wait on God's timing. In his book, Sensing Jesus, Zach Eswine shared about a time in his life, a long period of time, when he was intensely busy, busy where he was overcommitting himself left and right. And a lot of people tried to get his attention, but he refused to listen until he received a very special letter that he writes changed his life. And this is what he wrote. An older mentor named Bill told me, Zach, your life is like a five alarm fire. You're coming and going in so many directions. I worry about you. One of my bosses, he wrote, echoed the same sentiment 10 years later when she said, you're doing so many different things. We're afraid you're going to burn out. We want you around here for a long time, so pace yourself, okay? And in lots of ways, other people were saying to him, we are worried about you. And then the act says, I received a letter. It was an old-fashioned kind of letter with a stamp on the envelope. Any of y'all seen what those look like? You know, you remember... He says, the words were written by hand with a pen. I opened it and immediately heard my mom's voice as I read. She too must have heard the alarm. She wrote, son, a tree has to have roots to provide shade. A tree has to have roots in order to provide shade. In other words, you and I have to do the things that it takes to grow roots, to go deep in order to grow up and out in order to be used by God in all the ways He wants us to be used, to be the best father, mother, brother, sister, son, daughter, w- worker, follower of Jesus Christ, all of those things. And over the next few weeks, we'll continue to look at more of how we can do that. But here's the thing, whether you're new to Gateway, or you're coming off of our Transform study, or you, you, you weren't even a part of that, I want encourage you to consider how could... What is it that God wants me to do? What are the best things He wants me to do? What is a next step that can really connect me to Him deeper, that can grow me, that can help me evaluate my life, that can make me look at myself and ask, what is really motivating me? What is it that really, not what I say, not what everybody says is important, but what is it that really matters? Why am I here? Why did God put me here in this place at this time? To spend some time asking that and to be intentional about what is it that I can do? How, God, can you grow me deeper? Again, we've got some ideas for next steps out in the lobby. They may not be everything. but There are ways that you can do. Not not to pile on. Good grief. But to Figure out what really counts. You know, if, if you've been a part of Transform the last couple of months, we are talking about letting God work in us to transform us. And sometimes to transform, we've got to put some things down in order to pick some of the most important things up. We've got to make time in our lives so that when opportunities come, whether it's an opportunity of time or my experience or my resources, I actually have something to give, and I can give it because I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not caught up in the rat race, where even if you win the race, you're still a rat. I am doing what God created me to do, and I am experiencing each day with all the fullness that he made me for. Our prayer team is going to be down here because maybe you need to come and talk to them about that. Maybe it's time to lay some things down. Maybe it's time to pick up the right things. Maybe it's time to just get his help. Maybe it's time to turn your life over to him and let him be in charge. Whatever it is, they will be down here and they would love to talk with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much. I mean, Father, the message we get so often in the world around us is we're only as important as the next task we fulfill, the next place we go, the next position we advance to, we just forget to just soak in you. Let those roots go deep. To not look for tomorrow to find peace and joy, but to experience them right now. To live each day to its fullest and not to make it so full that I can't live it. Help us, Father, to do that. We're all on this journey. None of us are doing it... Perfectly, or, And in many cases, we're not even doing it well. But you're willing, we know, to take us right where we are and walk with us. Father, may we, no matter what else we do, grab your hand and just go with you. Go at your pace. Go where you lead us. And trust you. We ask this, we pray this in the name of Jesus. learn more about us visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.